I needed some kind of fancy video intro for me. I didn't think about that part. <laughs> That's the next time, next time. Uh, hey, I guess the last Youth Sunday went so well they let me do it again. Although the snow came, and then, you know, Zach talked to me this week. He talked about the water problem. He said, look, if we've got to shut the water off, we're not going to be able to have it again. And I was like, look, I can take a hint, all right? We'll just, we'll just cancel Youth Sunday. But uh, he, did, he did remind me several times, uh, Pastor Zach did, that I only had 30 minutes. But I, did, I learned that Pastor Zach does not have to follow Pastor Zach's own rules. It's do as I say, not as I do kind of thing, right? Hey, but I, I do want to thank uh, Zach for remembering uh, Youth Sunday. It's amazing to me whenever we, uh, you know, are asked to do this. I kind of I send out a call to all the youth, and I ask them, hey, do you want to be involved? And I get a, a really good response. And it, I think it speaks well to you guys um, uh, that the, you're receptive to letting them, you know, be a part of it. Not too many churches let... Um, People with bandanas, man buns, and shorts on take up offering, but you know, it's that was my own son, too, by the way. But, uh, but you know, we youth are who they are, right? And uh, we got to embrace them and love them where they're at and who they are. And uh, just I pray that you know, Jesus one day lays on my son's heart that he doesn't want long hair. That's you guys pray that with that. If I can get it out of him now, maybe when he turns an adult, he'll cut it off. But anyway, hey, we're going to talk today about some stuff. And it, you know, it does have a youth twist to it, but uh, it applies to um, adults, seniors, kids, youth. Uh, and we're going to talk about go with me, right? And life is hard enough by yourself. How many people have ever been to like a haunted house or haunted corn maze or to somewhere kind of scary. You know, how many people go to those places all by yourself? That's dumb, right? Why would you do that to yourself? Why would you go to someplace scary by yourself? You take somebody with you. And why do we need somebody with us? Well, you need support, right? And, uh, you know, I'll tell this story about April Quesenberry. A lot of you know her. We, we used to take these trips to Jonesboro uh, to a haunted barn, corn maze, cornfield up there, and uh, a lot of us would go, and April was the, if you ever go to a haunted place, invite April, because it is hilarious. Um, April comes from a a charismatic Christian background, and she gets scared very easily, and we brought Brandon Monk with us, a lot of you know Brandon Monk, He's, he's, he's what I like to call the shield Whenever we go through the haunted corn maze, because April would grab him by the shoulders and steer him through, and the whole time praying Holy Ghost protection upon everybody in the group, right? Just scared, scared. Well, you know, life is scary. Life, you know, life is kind of like a haunted mansion. You, things get thrown at you you're not expecting, and it's just good to have people around, um, you know, studies show that teens feel connected to peers through their phone, which is one of the reasons that if you have a teenager, you know where their face is kind of stuck most of the time, right? They're, they're scared to be alone. We're social creatures. Your brain is hardwired to seek out friendship and to be with one another. 
And I don't think our Christian life should be any different. You know, we need people with us. Um, a lot of you know my grandfather, Ken Trent, and uh, if you don't know him, he's a handy dude. He knows if, if it can be built, uh, he can build it. And if it can't be built, he could figure out some way to do it anyway, to make it work. I barely change light bulbs at my house if I don't call him because I just I kind of feel like I need that confidence in him because he has the experience. And that's what we're going to talk about today is you have experience somewhere in some area of your life that can be shared with somebody else that needs it. You know, even God, when he, uh, when he made man, he saw that it wasn't good. In, uh, in Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Now, when I first read that, I think Adam was probably in the Garden of Eden, like plucking feathers off of birds, trying to see if he could fly out of trees, or eating mud cakes, or trying to fit so many berries he could fit in his mouth. And God was like, oh, this is not why I made this, right? <laughs> and uh, for those guys in the room, you know, when you're around your buddies, you do stupid stuff, right? So God was like, it is not good for this man to be alone. You know, so I will make a helper suitable for him, and, and we've had those helpers ever since. But even God saw that it was not good for a person to be alone. We need people in our lives. And if you look at Ephesians 4, 9 through 12, it even says straight out, two are better than one. Well, why are two better than one? Why are two better than one? Because they have a good return for their labor. Whenever you work together, how much faster do things just get done, right? Uh, now, sometimes, as a father of four children, I like to work alone sometimes for my own sanity, right? And I'm not really trying to get anything done. I'm just pretending to be busy so that they will leave me alone for a little while sometimes. But whenever I really need a project, like this summer I built a storage shed at well, I, I, I don't really say I built it. Ken Trent built it. I paid for the materials and was there as a helper. But uh, my kids helped, right? And it just went by so much faster. Whenever you have things going on, you need help. It just goes by a lot faster. Well, sometimes something happens to one person, and you need somebody to kind of help you out. And the Bible says, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. You know, trouble's going to come to you at some point in your life. And you're going to need somebody to be there for you to pick you up. And it even says, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And I've seen people like that, um, you know, that I didn't know. But, you know, they were going through things. They were struggling. And they lived alone. They didn't have friends. And it's just, and, and they end up in a bad, bad place. And they didn't have anyone there to help them. And the Bible even says this, you know, something's going to happen to both of you at some point, too. It says, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. You know, you may need each other to hold each other up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And I really like this part. Because if two is good, guess what else is good? A, strand of a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So good a team, you know. Um, if two is good, three is even better. You know, we know our youth aren't alone. Uh, there are a lot of parents in here. How many parents help their kids with homework? You know, my kids are homeschooled, so I help nail all their homework. And this is the next picture uh, we see a couple, a mom uh, helping a little girl do her homework. And this is 
This is what you think it looks like, right? This is the picture that you have in your mind of what it should look like. Right, look, she's smiling. Look how proud she is. But this is how that girl feels on the inside, right? Oh, I don't want to do this. I've got my, you know, I got some Snapchats to send out to my friend. Uh, I got, I'm sure my buddies are all in some kind of group chat on Instagram that I need to be a part of. Or, Mom, you don't understand. This is not how they told us to do this, right? This can be frustrating. And I'll tell you that teenagers can be frustrating if you've been around them for a while. But, you know, they are who they are. And, you know, teenagers feel this way. Well, guess what? This is how you feel when you're trying to help your kid out too, right? I don't know what I'm doing. Right? You can be frustrated. Uh, you can feel inadequate. Um, my kids are up to that point now where they're getting into the math that, I, I, you know, and I took calculus in college I did just what I needed to do to pass calculus in college. And then what do most people do when they take calculus in college? They erase whatever part of that brain that was in there, right? Um, and, you know, I'm trying to help my kids with that, and that's the way I feel too. That's the way I feel about them uh, when I try to help them in their spiritual, spiritual journeys too. You know, the kids come and they talk about, well, you know, what should I do in this situation and I try to sound really smart, and I try to, like, tell you, hey, let's pray about it, and let's, let's see what, you know, what's the best options we have here. But in reality, I'm like, gosh, God, you're going to have to work through me in this, right? We're going to look at um, some situations in the Bible where um, two people are helping each other. But I want to say this. Um, Whenever, uh, whenever I came to start working with the youth, I thought, you know, God, I want you to use me to change them. I want you to um, help me to help them in some way. They need to grow through me. Um, and when Craig Barber asked me, I was initially, I, I was pretty nervous about it. Craig Robinson was here before me, and man, he did a great job investing in um, some of those kids and some of the youth that Craig Robinson had are now serving as youth leaders in other places too. So I had pretty big shoes to fill. And I thought, okay, I can do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change our youth for the better. Um, but in Proverbs 27, 17, it says this, Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Um, serving in youth has taught me so much more than I ever thought it would be, right? You know, I, I pray that I've changed lives in some way, but I can, I can tell you this for sure. They, they've changed my life. And, you know, I encourage you that if you get a chance, you know, just help somebody. And you're going to do good for them, but I can guarantee you that they're going to do good for you too. Um, I think about a couple of people that, you know, whenever I'm thinking about all the youth that we've had kind of come through, Isaac Collier is one of them. Uh, I knew Isaac Collier back when he was, probably fourth, fifth grade in Miss Edith Brown's class upstairs. And I, I didn't know Isaac real well then. Zach was coming to our small group then, I think, when we had our small group at the picnic shelter of like 65 people somehow. Um, but Isaac was up there, and, and Edith was doing some kind of game. She was throwing bean bags in a bucket or something. I said, come on, Isaac, let's go over here and play. And Isaac went, No. And I was, like, shocked. I was like, come on, man, we're going to have a good time over there. You know, it's, it's fun games. I mean, you don't, have to, you don't have to, like, win or anything. And he goes, no, I don't want to. 
And I was like, oh, okay. And then when, so when I started teaching youth, Isaac came, and he's a quiet guy. And I was like, oh, here's this kid who's just not going to do anything. So I just kind of was like, Lord, you're just going to have to work on Isaac. I don't, I, I don't have the tools, whatever it is, to reach Isaac. But, you know, the Lord, like, whittled away whatever was in my heart. And, you know, I got to know Isaac. He's hilarious. He's a very funny guy. If you get to know him. Uh, but if you don't know him too well, he's going to, you know, seem like a pretty shy kid. And I guess he is shy, but I stepped out on a limb, you know, uh, when Awana started. I was like, I need someone to work in Sparks. And Isaac graduated, and I wanted to kind of keep him plugged in to what we're doing here at the church. And I was like, there's no way he's going to say yes to this. But I'm going to ask him anyway, just to see. And I said, Isaac, I need somebody to help in Awanas. And uh, he goes, all right. And I was like, oh. <laughs> you know, it was almost like this moment, like holy light shine down on Isaac, you know. Was, oh, there was angels singing. Uh, and I said, all right, man, I got some bad news for you. It's in, uh, it's in the rowdiest class we have, Sparks. And he was like, that sounds good. And he said, can you get me a shirt? And I was like, yeah, I'll get you a shirt. I'll, I'll get you whatever you need. You know, sometimes we have these preconceived notions about how people are when we knew them before, and that's how they're going to be the rest of their life too. And, you know, God doesn't give up on people, and he needs you to keep whittling away at whatever it is that you're doing, and you're going to, it's going to turn out to be like this blessed experience that you have. Um, we have youth in our program that are they're prayer warriors, probably um, better prayer warriors than a lot of adults that I know. Whenever we ask for prayer, um, we do a lot of prayer requests on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings, and there are a couple of kids that are just dedicated, man. They just they remember every week. They update you every week on what's happening. They come to you privately, and they say, hey, we, hey these people really need prayer. And uh, I guarantee you they're praying Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all the time. And it humbles me sometimes uh, because sometimes my life gets busy, and they'll text me, um, and they'll say, hey, look, this is happening in my life. Will you... Where you lift them up in prayer. Um, so they're out there praying, right? And you can, you can be a partner with somebody and maybe share requests with each other. And it, you wouldn't believe how awesome it feels to kind of unload some of those things. All right, well, let's look at some of the, uh, the uh, kind of duo. I call them the dynamic duos of the Bible. We're going to look at David and Jonathan. All right, David was given this amazing news that he was going to be the king of Israel, right? And then his life kind of turned upside down. King Saul didn't like that very much. And so he wanted to kill David. David was an outcast, running from the law. And hopefully none of our teens are outcasts and running from the law. But if they were, we would love them and uh, support them as much as we could within. Um, but... If you, you remember being a teenager, I mean, uh, 9.30 is when most of the teens are in here, and we have a couple in here right now, but just think back when you were a teenager, about just little things made you feel like an outcast, like you didn't belong, maybe your clothes weren't right, or, you know, mom, we, we wore, you got, who remembers guest jeans back in high school? We couldn't afford guest jeans, or Fila shoes, or all those things, you just didn't, you felt outcast, or maybe your hair wasn't just right, right? Zach, Zach didn't have that problem. Um, me, 
Zach and Travis are different stages of middle-aged man hairlines, right? Zach is the pinnacle of baldness. Travis is on his way, right? He's the middle of the road. You know, I'm not like super far behind, but I do have the best hair out of all three of us. And I'm the oldest of all three of us too, so (laughs) ha-ha. All right, but you just, you, you feel like an outcast sometimes. And what you need when you're feeling like an outcast is you just need someone to love you. You just, you just need someone to say, hey, look, I love you. And our youth need people just to say, hey, I'm praying for you. We love you. We love what you're doing. If you need me, just holler at me. You don't, and you don't know what that means to kids like, uh, that, at that age. Just to have an adult be like, man, I, I, I could call these people. You know, they love me. They support me. And just uh, being there for them. And I want to say this. This is one of the most important things that I'll say because, you know, teenagers have problems. And one of the worst things that we do as adults is we trivialize their problems because they seem small to us. Um, And I'm guilty of it, right? Uh, On more than one occasion, I've said this, you know, when kids will come to me like, oh, man, school is killing me. I got so much homework. And I'm like, Man, you should try working 40 hours a week, right? That's, that's yucky. Don't do it, all right? It's, it's not what they want to hear from you, right? Don't make adult problems more important than teenager problems. When they become adults, they will get the adult problems. But they have teenager problems right now, and they need us to listen to them. And they need us to um, let them know that what's important to them is important to us. Now... As an adult, if someone comes to you and talks about their problems to you, you've got to listen to them. Give them guidance like um, Jonathan gave David guidance. The next group we see is Moses and Aaron. Moses was given a huge, huge task. Um, God told him, he said, hey, look, now I'm sending you to the king of Egypt so that you can lead my people out of the country. Easy, right? Just go down there, tell the king of Egypt, hey, these are God's people. We're going to take them out. Well, I mean, it's a lot larger task than just going down there and Moses knew this and I want to I want you to imagine now that um, as a Christian God has called you to go and make disciples right that means inviting people to church loving on people uh, displaying Christ for them at your workplace and I want you to imagine having to do that in a high school somewhere I would, re- I would much rather do it at my work than I would go to high school and try to do that. They had a huge task ahead of them, right? And um, they need some people to kind of come in and fill in uh, where maybe they're weak. Because look what Moses said to the Lord in Exodus 6.30. He said, since I speak with faltering lips, why would Pharaoh listen to me? Well, God just told him, he said, look, well, since you speak with faltering lips, I'm going to send you a helper. Right? And if you look around at your friends, you know, where your friends are struggling or where your friends have weaknesses, um, they just need you to be a support for them, right? Maybe speak for them every now and then. Uh, And our teens need errands to come alongside of them and boost them when they're weak as well. Um, I think about my daughter, Grace, who was never really an attention-type person, uh, and she would even probably tell you that. Um, but people like Thad, Katrina, Terry Butcher, Jeremy, you know, they stepped alongside of her and they came in to help. And 
Um, she was up on stage this morning worshiping the Lord. And if you had told me that she would do that, you know, even five years ago, I would have laughed at you, right? But it just takes people just giving a, a little bit of support where they're weak, right? Um, some of you may know um, Abby Young. Uh, Abby Young is not an outdoorsy person. She went to youth camp, right? She camped. And if you know Abby Young, that is a miracle from on high, right? Just like Isaac teaching uh, Sparky's. It was amazing the things that she did. All right, the next group that I want to talk about is Naomi and Ruth. So we've talked about just being a support for someone who feels pressured, David and Jonathan, Moses and Aaron, one person helping another where they're weak. Um, but sometimes when you're helping someone else, um, it boosts you up too. Naomi and Ruth, both of their lives are in shambles. And um, Ruth said this uh, to Naomi. He says, don't urge me to leave you. To turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. And your people will be my people and your God, my God. It's bonds like that um, that last for a long time. And you get to boost each other up, right? And I want to tell you this. You don't have to have a perfect life to help youth in our church. Um, You know, I didn't. I've never been formally trained as um, a youth leader but this is, this is what uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 6.10, and it's not going to be on this screen, but um, it says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. You just have to help each other, right? People are going through stuff, and sometimes it's easy for us to kind of focus on our problems and think that, um, you're the only one going through stuff. Why should I bother Travis? You know, you know I'll, I can work on this stuff myself. And he's got things going on good. But, you know, I know Travis. He probably doesn't have things going on good, right? And, and I could call to him and he'd be like, look, yes, I've been going through the same thing. And we help each other out. And whenever I, you know, took over the youth, I just, you know, I told God, I said, look, you, you have got to do this. And I'm a fun guy, I can plan games and stuff, but you have got to use me with your word to change lives. And, you know, and I think he's done it. This is one of my favorite parts of the Bible, too, is, you know, Jesus praying for his disciples. You know, Jesus didn't pick fancy people. He didn't pick important people. He picked normal, everyday, working-class men he invested in them, and he changed the world through them. And uh, I really like this prayer that he uh, prays for his disciples in John 17. He says, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. And he's talking about people that um, he invested in. And it doesn't have to be our youth. You can invest in um, widows. You can invest in people struggling maybe with addiction. You can invest in people maybe who are just nervous about singing, right? You can invest in all kinds of ways. You can invest in small kids. I see you know, a lot of our children's church workers are in here for this service. You can invest in, you know, kids. But just invest in them because this is what Jesus said. He says, they were yours And you gave them to me. And if you think about that, that adds a whole layer of importance to it. Imagine if God showed up in physical form right now 
and gave you something, right? Handed you a box. You know, what would you do with that box? Would you you forget about it? Would you, you know, just kind of put it in the corner and throw sweatshirts on it, which is what, you know, all of my exercise equipment ends up being, right? You wouldn't do that. You would, would would have a place of importance for you. And if you think about what God is saying here, he's saying, look, I'm giving you people. And there are people that God is sending to you in your life somewhere, somehow, that he's sending to you so that you can invest in them in some way. Jesus goes on to say this in uh, verses 9 through 10. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. And all I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. You know, here's how you can invest in people. You can pray for them, right? It, it doesn't take a lot of skill, and it doesn't take a lot of time to pray for people. But at the bottom, at the, at the bottom of this verse, it says, And glory has come to me through them. And when I was sitting over there looking up here, I was like, you know, glory has come to God this morning through things that the youth are singing on this stage, you know. And it's because of investment from people like Jeremy and Becky and Thad and all those that have kind of come before that, that take time to, you know, spend with them. The next part of the verse in 13 through 15 says, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For you are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Um, You know, I went to high school back in the day, and the world's a lot different now than it was when we were kids, and I hear stories from when my granny was in high school, and it was a lot different way back then, too, and, you know, we live in pretty evil times, to be honest, and we have to help each other. We have to be there for each other. We can't tear one another down, and we have to be a support to each other, and especially to our teenagers who are going to continue living in this world, you know, past when we are, and they're going to be you know, the future decision makers in the church at some point, and we need to help them out. So, you know, what do they need from us, right? Um, Youth wanting to work for Christ want us with them. It's important. When I don't know how to do something, I need someone who who has done it before to go with me, right? And if we want them to be workers in the church, then we have to kind of go with them as they do it. You know, it's scary, but it's a lot less scary with help. You know, and teens yearn for a place of belonging, and church needs to be a place of belonging, too. And not only teens yearn for a place of belonging, everybody seeks a place of belonging. And so be that, be that for someone, right? You can talk to them. You can understand them. You can pray for them. You can do all these things. And so I encourage you, not just with youth, with, but with someone. Um, I want you to be um, like a Christian partner with someone uh, from here, you know, in the next few weeks, just just share some struggles you have. Um, let them share struggles with you. Uh, and if it is a youth, just go and tell them, say, hey, look, hey, I appreciate you singing on stage this morning. Um, I'll be going, I'm going to be praying for you. I enjoyed it. You know, boost their confidence. Uh, give them a little bit of, uh, 
Give them a little bit of confidence as they move forward into a world that's continually tearing them down, telling them they're not pretty enough and they're not smart enough and uh, you don't look right or uh, your weight is not right. And all of these things, let this be a place where we build them up and give them the confidence that they need. Um, I'm going to leave you with this, and this is a verse that um, is not going to be on this screen either, but it's important. So, 1 Peter 4.10, it says this, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. Does anybody know what the rest of it says? So what should we do with the gifts we have received? To serve others, right? God didn't give you a gift to make you more important or God didn't give you gifts uh, to kind of rise in status within the church or within the community. God didn't give you gifts um, to earn as much money as you possibly can or uh, to gather the most possessions that you possibly can. Um, and he didn't give you gifts to ignore either. He didn't give you gifts to uh, sit at home and not do anything with. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. And when we serve others, we serve him. All right? And I want you to think about that this week. So find somebody that you can serve. It can be a youth, uh, but it can be someone you know struggling. Right? So serve someone this week. And then uh, you don't have to report back to me, but you know, let me know if it helped. All right? uh, and if you know of someone who needs help, if you know of a teenager that needs support, just let me know. Um, we'll reach out to them and try to see what we can do. All right, I'm going to close in prayer as Jeremy comes up uh, to uh, lead us out in a song. So if you'll bow with me. You know, God, I thank you for this opportunity to, to speak. And I just pray that something said here today would be used to bring you glory uh, but, and, to, and to, to lift someone up who's struggling. Or maybe just to, you know, just to uh, give confidence to each other. I thank you for this church and I thank you for... Um, the time and effort and the finances that they um, spend on youth. And I thank you for the investment uh, that you have made in our youth as well. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.